All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It only You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. That promo code will get you $5 off your order, and Zephyr Epic, lots of good stuff going on there right now. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 from Burnaby to Baffin Island, ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. Go check them out on Twitch, weekly case breaks, lots of good stuff going on there. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order on DoorDash. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, it's a it's a big day for us. Like, we, 
We have exciting stuff going on with Nation Network, which we'll get to later. But man, last night's Vancouver Canucks game, and typically we don't like to just talk about games and, you know, why would we based on how the Canucks have been playing so far? But my goodness, that game last night, like you were, you were there last night, Chris. We were both in the building in different, different roles, but still, you were there. What was your, th- oh, actually, first of all, how are you doing today? Good. Good. And your thoughts on the game? Go. Well, first of all, you mentioned city to city. We got a DM to uh, Canucks Convo from Bob. He gave us a list of just extraordinary cities to cities in Canada. I want to get one off here. That just a, one that I thought was incredible. Okay. Shawnigan to Shawinigan. Oh, that is a good one. Bob Bob sent us about, what am I looking at here? About 12 or so. So we're going to be running through the ones. Bob, appreciate the DM. Uh, we're going to be run through a lot here. Um, so, yes, I was at the game yesterday in the stands, really close, fifth row to where the massive, crazy sequence in front of Thatcher Demko, the blockerless Thatcher Demko went down. It was it was quite the show. But I'll tell you, they really needed that third period and how everything went down in that third period. You could hear it at the later parts of the second period there. Boos were coming down and they weren't just towards the refs who had a tough night last night as well. Boos were starting to come on the power play when they weren't shooting the puck. There was, you know, it, it was starting to, things could have turned really bad for the Vancouver Canucks when a win yesterday. They went out and got it. Give them credit. They came out and won that game in the third period. Massive win. They needed this win so bad. Um, and it was, it was good. It was good to see the Vancouver Canucks finally pull something out of this homestand a little bit and get a win because starting off 0-3, not a great start to your return to play at Rogers Arena in front of your home fan base. So, they needed it. They ended up getting it. I'm happy. Uh, and last night was a fun time to be in the arena. You mentioned it. You were there as media. I was down uh, with the people. You know me, man of the people, down in the in the stands chatting with people. I was sitting beside a kid who was eating a full Domino's pizza or Panago. He ate a full Panago pizza throughout the game. Wow. A little teenager there with his mom at the game, and he ate a full Panago. I said, good for him. He was wow. eating He was eating well. Um, and personally, I just had a Pepsi. Out of Pepsi, the game. No beers at the game for me last night. Didn't mm-hmm. have any beers yesterday. I had to drive yesterday, so yep. I had a Pepsi. Had a Pepsi. Had a little bit of popcorn. Went to Earl's after. Good, uh, good night all in all. And I tell you, the just the environment down there when pretty much throughout the whole third period, right? Because JT Miller scores the early goal like a minute twenty or something into the period. That was great. Got kind of got the crowd like you know first gear to second gear. Then Pod Colson scores the goal to tie it up. Everyone went nuts. That was so good. We're getting to pod coals in a little bit, but first want to get in there with potentially one of the loudest. Well, it wasn't the loudest I've ever heard that arena it was game seven against the Blackhawks when I was in there, uh, upper bowl and nice. Alex Burrow scored it. Never. I don't think I'll ever hear the arena louder than that. What about when Elias Pettersson scores to win the cup? That'll be nice too. Uh, if Pedersen can score again, yeah, Pedersen never but scores again with the Demko sequence that kind of like, so I was down at the net. I was on yeah. the left side of the net there. Fifth row, really good seat. Student rush, $39 tickets. Like, what a steal. We got a really good deal uh, to sit down in that game a couple hours before puck drop got those tickets. And it all started, like, it all started with your boy, Tyler Myers, not being able to clear the puck. Exactly. If without him, this whole sequence doesn't happen. Exactly. And the, you know, does the season ch- turn around? No, no. I don't think so. And, but it wasn't yeah. just that. It was Tucker Pullman making like a, everyone's going crazy about the Demko thing for sure, but Tucker Pullman once single handedly, literally yeah. stole a goal or saved a goal there when he dove across with his right arm and blocked the puck. No that look, was going too. straight. He didn't even in. look at it. That that puck goes in if yeah. he if Pullman doesn't dive across and make that play. After that, that's when Miller fell on the blocker and everything just went wild. After that, what a crazy yeah. few seconds and a, a standing ovation. For Thatcher Demko, a very well-deserved standing ovation for Thatcher Demko. That was the first time this season that the Vancouver Canucks have had a massive swing of momentum, I'd have to say. Throughout the whole season, 10 games in, that was the first major swing of momentum in the right direction for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, not to sound too much like a fanboy here... But it does. That was feel- me. I was a fanboy. I was up. I was cheering. It felt good because you can't do that in the press no, box. You can't. When Pod Colson scored, oh man, I was up. I was fist bumping. It was. It was great. It was awesome. Oh my gosh, I don't even have that reaction anymore. Anyways, um, I thought I didn't either. But when when something about when Pod Colson scored, like I didn't stand up and go crazy when Miller scored. But when Pod Colson scored, I saw it coming. Okay, sorry. Stay with the damn call. I want to get to Pod Colson in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing that I noticed about that play. Um, was that 
first of all, yeah, it was super loud, but when your goalie loses his blocker, and here's the thing is the Rangers moved the puck to Panarin, who was on Demko's right side. Like you you could tell that they recognized that Demko didn't have a blocker and that this was not going to be blown down because for some reason, also they gotta really look at that rule, I think, because Demko said the explanation he got is that the only piece of equipment that they blow down for is the helmet. And if anything else comes off, you're playing. So I'm sorry, but what if Demko loses like a pad? I, I know that's probably not gonna happen, but what if what if he were to like lose a pad? Does he have to just try and drop into the butterfly with one leg? Because he's gonna break his leg if he blocks a shot with with his leg, like his bare leg. So they gotta change that rule. It definitely was strange to see, and especially the fact that Demko was waving the bare hand at waving the referee. his bare hand, still doing the shuffles across the crease properly. Ian, somewhere, Ian Clark was smiling last night because, other than having to go on his stomach and like, you know, in the scorpion kick, you can see Demko has his hand in a fist and he's tucking it underneath so that if the puck were to go along the ice, it's not his bare hand blocking it because that that, that breaks your hand instantly. If if Demko broke his hand there. There may have been riots outside of the NHL offices the next day, like people flying over to New York because, my goodness, if the Canucks lost Demko right now, like, man, we talk about the booze starting at the second end of the second period and how, like, man, like this could get out of out of control in a hurry if they don't start to win here. If they lost Demko, like Demko is absolutely this team's MVP. It's not close. If they lost Demko to a broken hand because he didn't have a blocker and he had to make a save... Oh man, Canucks fans! If, if you think if you think Canucks fans have ever shown their wrath ever, this would have been a whole new level. Yeah, I mean Demko was excellent. He's been Absolutely. excellent this whole season. He's been the best player for the Canucks at this point. I think we were arguing about who we thought the MVP might have been on the weekend. There, it's after the weekend. Yeah, it's one hundred percent Demko. He's been the best player for the Vancouver Canucks, and it was no better example of that than on Tuesday night. I mean, he, he lets in two goals, both power plays, I believe. Right? He's actually been a top three goaltender in the league to start the new year, and his five on five numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. His save percentage and how much, how many high danger chances he's still facing, yeah. and, and still keeping the Canucks afloat for a lot of these games. You, you, you look at this contract that Demko's on, and it has to. Early on in the season, it has to look like one of the best contracts in the NHL right now. At this point in the season, it has to look like one of the best. Like If you're just looking at how much you're paying a player this year, you're getting this type of production from a guy who's $5 million on your cap. It's hard to look around the league and find someone making $5 million giving you more than Thatcher Demko is. You know who else is up there? Connor Garland. Garland's looking good, too. Right? Another contract there. Dare I say it? couple of tidy pieces of work it was absolutely Those i mean with, good contracts the thing with demko is like you, you, i think this is a time where especially after momentum that we just saw kind of swing around in that game like this has to be a time where this this feels like it right now especially after that third period you got to go back with demko on friday for sure 100 percent. you go back with demko on friday and it seems like this is the time right now where you're going to get that first run of this is a lot of Thatcher Demko playing. This isn't, oh, it's going to be Demko. You have a day in between the next game that we'll give Halak that one. This right now feels like the time to say, hey, we're going to run with Demko unless there's a back-to-back. This should be it right now. If you want to start putting together some wins, start to make a the, hopefully get this homestand back on track after a big win in the middle of it. You got to roll with Demko for the rest of this homestand. Let's, I mean, not just not the rest of the homestand, but do you got to roll with Demko for a while until you see back to backs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing else to say. Like, there is nothing else to say. Thatcher Demko has been absolutely fantastic for this team, and last night kind of put a bow on everything. Just how good he has been to start the year. Because look, the results haven't been there for the Canucks, but the end results of these games would be significantly worse if Demko wasn't in that. Yeah. I mean, like we've kind of said, he's the best player on the team so far this early in the year, kept them in a lot of games. And last night was another good example where there was a, there was good power play chances against him. There was good five on five chances against him and Demko looked good throughout, but to the, just the moment yesterday in a five on three with what, two minutes left in the game. Was it four minutes left in the game? It was late in the third. And he makes that type of, just incredible effort by the, all three of the guys that were on the ice. And then Huglander to join in later, help kill off the penalty as well. It was, it was a, a sight to see. And that was something that like, I, I think I tweeted out last night, like that sequence is the type of thing that could turn around the homestand. I don't think it's, I don't think that's the sequence that turns around the season, but man, does it ever, when you get a moment like that, 
especially after a weekend where listen it's not like the biggest news but the canucks were able to have a halloween party together go out and just kind of enjoy the company before this tuesday game they went out obviously tyler myers incredible costumes some good costumes out there but they got some time to go out have some drinks enjoy your teammates a little bit go out and and you know have something away from the rink that they weren't able to have last year I hope they like honestly I hope they went out and got drunk and had a good night with everyone I I totally think that's something this team needed especially after losing three at home to have a few days off there go out and enjoy it with your teammates come together and have a moment like this that Thatcher Demko gave the team you need a build off of this now that's the thing Canucks have looked I think the Canucks third periods have been their best periods all season long right just and that's not even like saying a lot because I think the first two periods have been bad but this would be huge for the Canucks to come back on Friday night after two days off, now they're going to be able to go and practice. Hopefully, some time on the freaking power play, get some practice there. Figure out what you're going to do with the with the guy. Like the the power play needs a complete swap. But we'll get to that later as well. But now you have a couple days to take everything in. It feels like the pressure's been relieved a little bit. They got a complete day off today on Wednesday. Get back to it on Thursday. Really good practice Thursday. Come back Friday and come out in the first period like you did in the third period on Tuesday night. Come out with that same type of effort level and start to put together some wins here, especially in a homestand before you hit the road. So it's not the type of moment that changes your whole season. Like I think I saw some people tweeting about still a little early in the year for that. But damn, is it ever a moment that can spark you for, I think, a couple of weeks for sure. Absolutely. It gives you momentum. It gives you momentum. It gives you something because look, here's the thing. And I wrote this last night in the post game report is you can only get by on the belief that these guys are going to score eventually. Like it's going to come like Elias Patterson's going to score again. JT Miller's going to score again. Like it's going to happen eventually. Like these guys are too good for it not to happen. You can only get by on that belief for so long until it is too late and you are too low in the standings to catch up. Like you can believe all you want. You can say we're playing well. We're just not getting the results. The time for moral victories was over a week ago. They need to start getting these results now. And I'm just saying, like, if they didn't get that win last night, look, you heard the booze. You heard some fire green chants as well in the arena last night, which was not shocking, but shocking. It was a little bit shocking to hear it, right? And that's only going to get worse if they lose that game last night. Last night is was a statement game for the Canucks, right? Well, like, I think it was, and honestly, it wasn't just last eight. It was the third period was the statement. Exactly. They, like, they were horrible in the first two First periods. 40 minutes, like, they controlled five on five. They had, the power plays were bad. Power plays were awful. They were setting, I mean, they were getting the puck and moving it around a little bit. There was one point where I was, like, celebrating that I saw Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson rotate. Pettersson came to the top of the umbrella, and Hughes moved to the right, and I was like, amazing they moved they <laughs> they they moved into different positions on the yeah, ice on the yeah. power i was celebrating that before they actually did something in the third period but i do want to bring up that i thought that the lines i thought the four check was deeper in this game maybe I, I was watching it from ice level obviously so it was a little bit different to take in but i felt that specifically when garland got moved to miller and Pedersen, all three players were deep like all three players like the highest one was at the top of the circles and I think that they were getting deeper on four checks and forcing a little bit more, which is what I wanted to see with that lotto line, which obviously switched to Garland. But the top line of the Pedersen Miller Garland line, I felt like they were a little bit more aggressive on the four check. You are right. And then they were let. Sorry, I was thinking in my head they weren't aggressive in the first period. They weren't super aggressive in the second. But then coming out in the third, they were aggressive. It, it was like, like man on man. Three yeah, guys they were deep. in the they offensive were deep. zone. You're right. And then once it was tied, they went back to you know, Miller's at the blue line is F1 basically. And you could see it wasn't them like creating a ton of turnovers, but it was sure creating panic on, on the Rangers. And that's what you have to do. And that's what this Canucks team hasn't done super well. The other thing they haven't done super well is break the puck out of their own end. During this homestand, that has been the most like evident thing about this hockey club is that they cannot break a puck out of their own zone at the best of times. And a guy that, you know, not to rag on him because he had a huge block last night, not trying to take anything away from him. A guy I've noticed like kind of sticking out as somebody who, you know, granted, he's going to move down to the third pairing soon. Tucker Pullman has not been as good as I think some people think, like lots of turnovers, um, lots of just not being able to move the puck out of his own end. Just like teams are putting the pressure on Hughes and making him move the puck to Pullman. And, you know, like say what you want about Hamannick. Him coming back is pretty huge for this team because eventually Hammock's going to play with Hughes. I'm seeing a little different with Pullman. I think that Pullman's playing pretty good hockey. I think he's blocking a lot of shots. He is. He is. But that also means you're chasing, right? Like, don't forget sure. when Edler and Tanev were leading the league in blocked shots, but the Canucks also had one of the worst defenses. Yeah, but in the it's league. not like him and Hughes are both blocking a lot of shots. Like, Pullman's actually disrupting a lot of 
passes and shots like he is sure. doing that but i do agree with you like there is you got to be able to move the puck. there's though. not a lot of confidence in him moving you, the you puck. you got to be able to move the puck in this league you can't just you can't just rely on hughes you can't it doesn't work i've just seen a lot of people saying how bad he is playing and i don't think he hasn't been awful that bad. he hasn't been awful but he hasn't been good i mean he's not the guy that you want in an ideal situation to be playing with quinn hughes but neither is travis hamannick right now either travis hamannick's not the answer i i'm really curious to see once Hamannick's really up to speed and he's double vaxxed and everything's going in the right direction and he's able to get fully up to speed, fully back yeah, to, yeah. to being able to just because because Hamannick looked gassed a few times at the end of some yeah, shifts yeah. when he had a longer shift that was over like 90 seconds. He looked pretty gassed. I thought he was I thought he was fine, though, on a third pairing. Him and Shen, I thought were OK yeah. the other night. But I'm, I'm curious to see what happens when Hamannick's up to full speed if he does come in and play instead of Pullman. As far as I know, he's not going to be on this road trip. Uh, that's no. coming up. Hey, he can't go on can't. that road trip, but it's a it's a short road trip. They have a game in Colorado, um, and I think it's only a two or three game trip, and then they're right back at home. Um, just checking on that. Yeah, three games. Yeah, and, and a lot of people were asking that, like, why did he get called up to the Vancouver? And I think a little bit of surprise that he played, but in the first place, like the Abbotsford Canucks, they go on a road trip. They're not back until the fourteenth. Yeah, so it was pretty obvious that they were going to call up. Hamnick before then I was a little surprised to see him come in and play on Tuesday night I'll be 100% honest that I, I knew that like I think I said it on the show I think it was said on the Saturday show on Sportsnet I was saying like I don't think he's gonna be out a lot of people were thinking it's gonna take him a month to get up to speed the fact that he played on Saturday night in Abbotsford and the way that he's practiced and kind of hearing from everyone out there like this guy was working this guy didn't just come off the street and hop onto the ice like, yeah, he was going through some struggles with his family and making decisions before he came over here. Whatever was affecting him, I think a little bit more clarity on the situation from what we saw with his 18-minute press conference. But he was skating. Like, he he's, he's in hockey shape. He's probably not in game shape 100% right now. But the dude hasn't just been sitting on the couch. He's been He's been skating. He's been working. He's been staying at least at a level that you would expect from an NHL pro. And this guy's an 11-year NHL pro. Coming into his 12th season now in the NHL, he knows what he has to do to be up to full speed and compete at the NHL level. I'm not worried about him getting too much more of a runway to be at 100%, but it is going to be interesting to see how he just kind of fits in with the Vancouver Canucks moving forward now that Pullman's here. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Do you think it's a lock he goes back to Hughes? Because I don't think it is. I would love to see a third pairing now. Like We talked about it, how nice it would be to see this, but... I didn't think in the summer we actually thought it was going to be possible, but down the road later in the season to have a Rathbone Hamnick third pairing, very strong third pairing in my eyes. If you can start to get think, those two together. I think you're more comfortable with Pullman Rathbone because you know, Hamnick, Hamnick, all things considered was probably the Canucks best defenseman last season. Think about it. Who was better than Hamnick last year? I mean, Hamannick was better when he came back from injury, but he also missed a good portion of the season. Yeah, but he was Hughes, bad when he first got here. Yeah, Hughes was Hughes was like pretty bad last year. Like, let, let's not. Yeah, I don't think there was a good here. defenseman on the Canucks last year. So I, I, I think I'm comfortable saying Hamannick was probably their best defenseman, which is saying a lot about the defense last year. Now, I, I don't think Pullman's been bad, but I also don't think he's been good. I think Hamannick is a better defenseman all around, and I think. I think Hamnick was paid $3 million to play with Hughes. Like that is Hamnick's spot. And I think he's going to take it back pretty, pretty soon here. And I think it's going to be the pairing that you want. And the pairing of OEL and Tyler Myers now really opens up the door for you to have Jack Rathbone come back in the lineup. Yeah. Right. Or Brad Hunt, whoever you want to play there. I don't know if Luke Shen is the long term option. Is offside. Uh, Travis Strange, said he liked but, it last night. And Travis you know what? He, he wasn't bad either. That third no, pairing wasn't. I thought was actually pretty good. I was good. saying going into that game, I don't think Hamnick plays more than 13 minutes. I thought Hamnick actually played pretty well. Like Clips, in, in terms of gap just under control. 17 minutes. Yeah, too. They, they monitored his minutes. But, you know, in terms of like gap control, he was he was pretty solid. Pretty first, solid defending last night. First rush against him, though, got burned. Yes. First rush of that game. I was right in front of me. He got burned. It was like him and Dickinson, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dickinson was back as the defenseman on that play. Yeah, with Shen. Scary. And then Hamnick was coming back and he didn't. Yeah, they looked slow. But the parent came together. Luke Shen was doing what he does, throwing a bunch of hits. And it was it seemed to work. 
Like it seemed to work. It was one game against the Rangers who have like the Rangers aren't no slouches, man. They got a pretty solid offensive group. The forward lines are pretty strong. They have the best goal in the league, according to Kevin Woodley. Oh, well, what does Wood- Woodley comes on here? Yeah, for- What does Woodley know about goaltenders? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What does Woodley know about anything? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll cut to break on the other side. We have a lot to talk about. Actually, we've only gotten to like one thing on our list. Yeah. So. I said we're saving Pod Colson for later. I want to get into Pod Colson, the goal. You want to do that now? Yeah, let's we'll get into the pod. Cole. I I called that pod Coles and goal 10 seconds before it went in. I, t- I was there with my girlfriend at the game. I said pod Coles and goal. Pod Coles and scoring. Pod Coles and scoring. Boom. Comes up and score. He gets tangled up with Lafreniere. They're at the blue line. And he got up quick. He got up quick. A little bit outside of the camera view, probably picking it up even. Gets up quick. Lafreniere still on the ice. Pod Coles and just buries his head. Goes straight towards the net. Makes a little scream at Garland there. Garland said he thought it was OEL coming down. Yeah. Coming down the wing. You know why? Because Pod Cole's such a man. He's got that deep voice. He thinks he does have a deep thinks voice. He's veteran OEL coming down, but it's actually 20 year old Vasily Pod Colson. And that shot, you know, short side over what you say through Kevin Woodley's the best goaltender in the league. And he's, he has been good. What's the, what's is Shesterkin? Is that his name? <laughs> yes. Igor Shesterkin. Igor Shesterkin. We got a, I swear we, we pulled like, 15 yeah, Shesterkin rookie we cards did. last yes, year. We did. We did? Okay, well, hang on to those. save those. Those are doing better than my Yalevi stock uh, <laughs> when I bought all those rookie cards. So we got, let's count our Shesterkin yeah, money right now. But no, I, I just mean, want to say, you called the Vasily Puck goals and goal, but you're calling Puck goals and goal, Puck goals and goal on every shift. Well, no, that, I mean, yeah. Every time he's on the ice, that's that, what you're that saying. was probably like the third time I, I like <laughs> nudged my girlfriend, like, Puck goals and goal, Puck goals and goal. It's coming, it's coming. And, uh, but this one actually happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, just just a great play by him, and and he ends up finishing the game with seven oh eight. Was it ice time? Yeah, not a lot of ice time. And he is the Canucks' leading scorer at five on five. Yeah, and you look at what he's doing at per minute. I mean, goals per sixty at five on five, one point seven five goals per sixty. It's still early. It's still early. He's got twenty five percent shooting percentage. Yeah, I get it. He's got eight shots, but or he's got sixteen. Yeah, eight shots. He's he's still bringing offense to this team, and I think that. What, the way that you're looking at Pod Colson and the way that Green's playing him, that was his last shift of the game, right? When he scored that goal, he didn't have a shift after that. Yeah, it's great to see Pod Colson come in. I believe his first goal was a goal was a game tying goal as well. Yeah, his first goal ties the game. Second goal ties the game against Philly, and then he didn't play against Philly maybe, either. maybe. Here's a here's a thought. Here's a little thought for you. Maybe you play the guy who just scored again when you're tied late. Maybe that's the type of guy you want to gain the lead potentially. Maybe you want to go out and win a hockey game. I would maybe play the guy who scored in pretty clutch situations for a guy who hasn't played a lot of minutes, not to mention when they're losing by one. Pod Colson's not getting all the ice time in the world, and he scored two game-tying goals already in the season at 5-on-5. Five five. He's a guy who needs to be playing for the Canucks late in games. I'm sorry. I know he's a 20-year-old rookie, but you don't need... High more out on the third line. When Travis Green does that thing late in games where he rolls with just three lines, completely cuts out three players for sure. It doesn't need to be Pod Colson. It needs to be the Lamicos, the Highmores, the Justin Baileys, perhaps. Those should be your three. You should Pod Colson should be a guy playing for the Vancouver Canucks late. I get it that he's a rookie. I understand, but to me, this isn't this isn't a this isn't even like a rookie to the level of like Nils Huglander was last year. Like this guy has so much experience being in these big moments in the KHL in, in, in world championship mode in world junior situations. Like pod Colson is the type of guy that I feel like you have to be able to trust late in games, even as a rookie, as a 20 year old kid coming in and, and maybe the coach doesn't know a lot about him. And that might be the only excusable answer that I would take is that green isn't fully aware of what he can be like in third periods. And he hasn't done it at the NHL level. That's true. But everywhere else, he has done it. And he's done it at really high levels. Pod Colson needs to be a guy that you're playing even when the game is tied late. I know that you don't want to play the rookie late in the game. But this is the type of guy who can break that tie for you. You don't Every shift in the third period with five minutes left when you're tied doesn't need to be about keeping it a tie game. Sometimes you want to go out and win the hockey game. So that's where I think Pod Colson should be getting ice time late in games. And I do still think that, yeah, it's it's a struggle when there's so many power plays and, and penalty kills that they have because Pod Colson doesn't get any of those. Sure, but he needs to be in that final nine forward rotation when you are in a tie game or when you're down by one or heck, even when you're up by one, perhaps. Like, I would rather have Pod Colson out there on the wing than Justin Bailey than Matthew. I mean, Matthew Highmore, maybe. Maybe if you're winning by one. Highmore can get the ice time over Pod Coles. If you're winning by one and you need to put that third line out there, maybe. 
or Lamico, maybe. But in a tie game spot, I would really be using Podkul. I'd be trying to get the win a little bit more than protecting the tie when you're late in games. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll cut to break. On the other side, got a lot to talk about. Miller, PD, Garland, where does Bester go? Five on five defense. Lots of different stuff to talk about. Actually, sorry. On the other side, I kind of want to open with this. Is it time to fire Alex Chase on into the sun? We'll get to that. Oh, oh man. And much more. I don't know if I can wait a freaking commercial break for that. I'm ready for that one. I'm, I'm ready for that as well. So we will cut to break. On the other side, we will have that discussion leading everything off. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. Winter is quickly approaching, but wait, that means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. The Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. Muddlers. Muddlers Pink Lemonade. We are so excited to tell you guys about Muddlers Pink Lemonade. My drink of choice. You guys have all seen it by now. Faber and I went out drinking. That was my uh, drink of choice first night. I think that the catchphrase for this ad has to be, it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. Absolutely. It's so good. It's absolutely the best pink lemonade on the market by far. A lot of these other drinks are just a little too sweet for me. Like, I, I don't really like that. And this is like a nice mix because I also don't like when it tastes too much like alcohol. But this is like the, the perfect balance. There's a reason that it was the drink I got when we went to the Parallel Street Kitchen as well. It, absolutely, man. It is the sweet spot for quads in the alcoholic beverage realm. You can find it, like you said, at Parallel 49 Street Kitchen and in a ton of liquor stores. All the BC liquor stores have it. It's the bright pink cans, Muddler's Pink Lemonade. Go out and try it today. And a huge thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Before we get to the poll question, Chris, let's have this chase on discussion because, man, I'm sorry. Last night was another game for Justin Bailey where I thought he actually played well. I know. I, I get it. The Canucks are getting caved at 5-on-5 five five when Bailey's on the ice. But, man, I like having him on the penalty kill. He is fast. He knows his defensive responsibilities, which is not surprising, I guess. But, like, we, we talk a lot about how that only comes with experience, typically. But with Bailey, he's so fast. Like, there was a moment in the game against Edmonton, a couple moments, actually, where he caught the Oilers by surprise because they were thinking he was just going to peel back and let them come to him, and he was going right after them. Like He was forechecking hard on the penalty kill, and he created a few chances on the penalty kill. And, man, I again, last night, same sort of deal, like creating chances on the penalty kill because, you know, he's dangerous shorthanded because of that speed. Well, there was, and, you know, I could tell this from ice level a lot more than I could see on the broadcaster on, you know, up in the media box as well, but... The communication between Justin Bailey and JT Miller, JT Miller was really setting up Justin Bailey to exactly what he wanted on a forecheck during the penalty kill. And I, I I saw that working together and I just kept thinking like, I'm still not in the huge camp of seeing JT Miller get a, all that time on the penalty kill as well. But man, if you, you mention it, like if they're going to forecheck hard and try and create something the other way and be aggressive, JT Miller and Justin Bailey as a pairing really makes a lot of sense for a penalty kill group. And this is all to say that when Justin Dowling and Tyler Mott are both back in the lineup, remember they both skated at morning skate as the extra forward uh, yesterday. So when those guys are back, this is all to say that chase on needs to come out of the lineup. I'm sorry. I, I am done seeing Alex chase on, on the, on the power play blocks a shot that was going in from Elias Pettersson last night, took two from Pettersson, took in the two chest. from Pettersson. I'm sorry. Like you're not creating anything at five on five. You are, Really, you've done. You've scored one goal on the power play. This power play specialist scored one goal. Hasn't really helped matters to two goals. Hasn't really helped matters much at all. I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm I'm done seeing Alex Chase on. I, I am done seeing Alex Chase on in the lineup. Yeah, you look at him. He plays 12 minutes last night. Six of it on the power play. Six of it in five on five. I'm sorry. Stick stick pod goals in net front. On the power play. Oh, now you're freaking speaking my language. I like that language. way more than having Chase on there. And and you get to play you get to play Pod Colson at five on five more. He's starting to get power play time. I'm done. I'm done seeing Chase on Pod. He's holding a spot from Pod Colson and he shouldn't be anymore. To see him go back and be trotted out onto the first power play unit is a little bit confusing still. And 
if, listen, if he was super good, if he was the best net front guy, but it was still what he's doing at five on five, I'd have time for it. If he was the best net front presence guy and you know, if he was similar to like what Ryan Kessler was able to do when he was with the Sedins on the first power play, and if he was that type of impact as a right shot guy in your forward on your power play unit, I would have all the time in the world for it. But to me, he doesn't add a lot. He loses puck possession when he has puck possession in the offensive zone on the power play. He loses it just as much as he makes a pass. You said it. He got in the way of a couple of shots and that's kind of his role, right? I can't really rip him too hard for getting in front of a Pedersen shot when Pedersen fires one into his ribs a couple of times. I know one knocked him down at one end of the rink and the other end, it just, the other one looked like it was going to go in if he was not in their way there. So I'll say that one, but yeah, I'm all like, I'm all for anybody else, like anybody else. Like I, I would have time for Niels Huglander being there. I would have time for Vasily Pod Colson being there. You know what? <laughs> like if, if the power play still continues to suck, Throw big ass Tyler Myers out there. I was man. just gonna like, say it straight up. It. Why not? Yeah, who you cares? Know, it the power play looked bad yesterday. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like the power play did sort of look better yesterday, and I think partially it came from them mixing up the the guy, like mixing up the personnel so much to be like. If some guys were like, oh, I'm not used to playing the spot, so I don't know exactly what to do here. I think that helped them a little bit, trying to create something a little bit different with how they were going to be you know, attacking the net and setting up the offensive zone, moving around the personnel seemed to help. And I think Pod Colson is another good example of that of like, yeah. And like, I'd like to see Pod Colson be a net front guy. The other thing about Pod Colson as a net front guy is when they get down low, Pod Colson is another passing option. He's a guy who you can trust to use his good hands behind the net and be another passing option for a guy like Miller or Pedersen when they're getting down low. I don't trust Chase on to receive a pass and make another good pass. Pod Colson, I would. Like that's that's something that Pod Colson has done. Like in the KHL, he didn't get a lot of power play time, but when he did, when when they went through that real bad COVID strike last year in the KHL, he was one of the guys who was used a lot on the power play, made some good passes against KHL competition. He's obviously done it in the World Juniors as well, which is you know very much lower competition than the KHL. I think with the you, I think you you nailed it to say like as the confidence continues to build with Pod Colson here, it makes sense for him to now get the next the next kind of gift that you get. It's like when you're playing a video game and it's like one of these RPGs and you get to the next level and now you get this thing and you get to the next level and now you're able to do this thing. Like for Pod Colson, a couple of nice goals for him, a couple of big goals for him early on in the season were, you know, one eighth of the way through the season. This, this feels like the, the area where you're like, okay, Pod Colson's done pretty good up to this point. He hasn't blown everybody away. Like Elias Pettersson scoring 10 in his first 10, but Pod Colson has done a lot of good things. And I think that, it's not like he's ever it's not like he's taking step backs. It feels like over the past week, I think the first week or so of the season, there were some ups and downs right now. Like I haven't seen a lot of downs from pod Colson in the past week or so here. No, absolutely. Like his last few games. This is, I think he's starting to feel it a little bit more and get physically involved. Something we talked about on the show a little while ago was like, he does need to get hit so that he knows that like, Oh, I, I can do that too. I should use my he body. Finishing checks a lot last night. He did. Like he had a big hit in the, uh, I think in the, the second period it was the shift before because in the, at the end of the second period he had that real strong rush to the net yeah where like to see some of the penalties that were called on the canucks i thought pod colson could have could have drew a penalty on that one where he drove to the net he got a stick in the you know he got a slash on the stick i've seen that called against the canucks in that game so that was a little questionable the, that was the, what set up the five on three the one that was on oel Ah oh, man, that, oh, that was, was a weak. bad call. That was, very that was right in front of me in the corner there. That was a really bad call. Yeah. So that was very weak. And that set up the five on three. It was a phantom hook, right? It was a classic phantom hook. Yeah, like he he did like tap the stick, but he tapped the stick after the puck was already yeah, poke checked off the stick. Yeah. So that one threw me through a loop for sure. But I think it is time to at least I think just the way that it feels like the perfect storm to get Pod Colson on the power play. The power play is really struggling. Clearly really struggling. Travis Green's already at the point right now where he was. You saw it last night on Tuesday night, mixing all these bodies up. Certain guys were on the first unit. Certain guys got moved around. OEL instead of Hughes on the first unit was something that we saw. Yeah. Uh, Connor Garland is somebody that needs to be on the first unit, in my opinion. Like, okay, first... There's like aside, Horvat was thrown at the net front. Exactly. Pearson was jumped. Like, they were really throwing the bodies around. Aside from being done with Chase on, I am also 
done with not seeing Connor Garland on the first unit. This guy is so dynamic. He's five foot eight, great height. And man, he's so quick with the hands and everything. You just, he's going to open up so much space for that first unit to be able to get passes to Pedersen as well. If he's in that bumper position, like I like Garland there and I, I like him on the half wall too. Like, Garland is so dynamic. And again, like we talked about this on the radio show on the Canucks warm up with Faber and Quad Sports at 6.50 Saturday mornings. Go check it out. Dunbar Lumbar, as you say. Dunbar Lumbar sponsored. Um, the, the thing that I was bringing up there is what makes the Oilers power play Hold so on. well. Quickly, Dunbar Lumbar. Didn't you get a, we got a text in and they were like, you're like the best, uh, best lumber uh in all of vancouver so we texted and they were like no no it's actually this lumber station <laughs> it's like man it's, a, it's an ad for the show we that was my dad yeah because <laughs> you were like no no lumber in burnaby i was like nope and he's like windsor plywood <laughs> like, dad i know it's like i'm not gonna name drop another yeah that's a quick yeah. way to get a call from the boss name yeah. drop another lumber place sorry aside from that you bring up garland on the power play uh, yeah and what i, I was agree. saying is what makes the oilers power play so good and so dynamic is all those guys can play any position on the power play and they're always moving around they're always all over the place and teams can't really game plan for that same sort of deal with Connor garland he can play anywhere on the power play and, and the, the struggle that i saw with the power play i could see it real clearly yesterday being down on the rink again i'm sure a lot of people saw this as well they're either they're really just focusing in on two things Zabinajad, every time he was on the ice, his stick was like he was holding his left stick out in front of Pedersen. So Pedersen wasn't going to be able to get his one timer off. Zabinajad had that locked down the whole time. And then their other defenseman who was on the far corner of that. So the back right guy, he would be all over Horvat and that pass. Those are the two plays of the Canucks run all the time. And they and the Rangers did enough research who the Rangers are only going to play the Canucks twice a year. And they did enough research to know that those were the two plays that the Canucks were going to run. They shut it down completely. There was no good chances for Horvat in the slot, and Pedersen wasn't able to get a shot off from the right side at all. Pedersen's best chance on the power play came from that time that he rotated with Quinn Hughes and got to the top and had a pretty good shot from the top of the circle with, with a bunch of bodies in front. If the Rangers are able to tell that and be able to shut down the Canucks' two moves, that needs to say enough that like they can't just rely on the talent anymore. They can't rely on Pedersen's talent and Hor- and Horvat's talent in front as the bumper guy. You really got to force that movement. And I agree with you 100% that Connor Garland is the type of guy who's going to create movement just from his own movement. Like he, The way that he moves is going to make other Canucks move around the ice. I, that's why I like the idea of really throwing this power play group through a loop, man. Like It worked a couple of years ago, this five-man unit, but... People have figured it out. You know, people aren't surprised by Pedersen's shot anymore. People know that JT Miller has a bomb as well. People know that that Horvat in the bumper position is their go-to play. These are well-known things. And unfortunately, all of these guys, all those plays I just talked about, aren't Alexander Ovechkin, where everybody knows Ovechkin's going to do it, but he still does it. The Canucks just aren't able to score like that. They need to just create some more movement. I love the idea of Connor Garland coming in there. And yeah. just doing something else. It it doesn't even really matter for the personnel that gets moved around so much. It's about how they're going to play. And that's that's something that Garland can bring to the first unit. It's not about the personnel. It's about the type of attacking you're going to do. For sure. And speaking of Connor Garland, our next topic is the lotto line that now seemingly is going to feature Connor Garland. Because 648. As soon as 648. As soon oh, wait, as no. he was... 846. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways. No. Connor Garland's number eight. Yeah. So Brock nine, Bester's number six. Yeah, but Brock Bester's off the line. That's what I'm saying. So eight forty nine. Yeah, but Miller's on Miller's on the left. Well, yeah, but the way it was before nine forty eight. I don't know. I think you're. I think you're wrong here. Well, he's on the left. I guess that's not how the lotto line name came together. Okay. Anyways, this is bad. This is this is great. That, radio. that was a tough one. Yeah, we should send this. Uh, as our next uh, demo tape. Anyways, so that line scores at five on five. That line is going to stay together. I don't care Absolutely. what you've seen from the lotto line going into this. Not much. That line was able to score at five on five. They pretty much just scoring one goal, probably just earned themselves like three more games of that line. Going into last night, the Canucks had not scored a goal at five on five with Brock Besser on the ice. That is bad. Like that is so concerning. And nobody was talking about it. Well, like they still don't, I guess. No, they don't. Because he wasn't on the ice no. for any of the five and, on fives. Uh, you know, Besser was probably the guy that looked the worst out of that trio last night, and rightfully so, was taken off the line. And Connor Garland again, like just he has been 
the Canucks best forward to start this year. I don't think that's a hot take. Obviously Demko has been the best player overall, but what Garland is able to bring, like he's going to be able to ignite that line. And last night was a sign that JT Miller and Elias Pettersson are starting to starting to wake up a bit and they're starting to get going here. And, you know, again, not to sound too much like a fanboy, but with the goal that was scored, JT Miller scores two goals last night, including the overtime winner. You saw him pumping up the crowd. Like JT Miller is into it now. I think that not only the first goal, the first goal, you could feel like the relief come off him a little bit. Yeah. But man, that second goal, you really felt like you could feel the weight coming off of him when that goal was scored in overtime to win it. And that was kind of just everything that I felt about the game that was so positive on Tuesday night was like Demko makes that crazy sequence. I feel like a weight comes off of him that he has been the best. Like that was like weight coming off of Demko where it's like, yes, I've been carrying this team. Let's see them do something for me now. And to me, like the first goal from JT Miller, you could just see the weight coming off of that line that they were able to score a goal that was made by a good play that went from Pedersen to Garland to Miller good play by guys going hard to the net. JT Miller scores that goal because he's driving the net and he beats the defenseman in the net and a good pass from Garland. That's like the five on five scoring. That's been struggling on the top line. It happened. You could feel the weight coming off. And then when that puck goes in and overtime, you could feel it from the whole team, like weight coming off of the team. Cause they had so much pressure on them. And I'm not saying that's going to change everything. Like they need to follow it up now. They can't just have that one win and go lose the next three at home because then we're talking about a bad team that's going to be at the bottom of the Pacific again. They just jumped out of the bottom of the Pacific with a win last night. They need to continue to push out of the spot. And you can't you can't make a full judgment on team 10 games into the season. But you can form a pretty decent opinion on them. And I think the opinion on the Canucks to start the first 10 games of the year was that playoffs are going to be hard for them to get. I think yeah. when we first came into the year, we thought that this team was going to be you know, in a playoff spot. I wouldn't even say around. I think they, we thought they were going to be improved enough to be in a playoff spot. That didn't happen through the first eighth of the year. The second eighth better be a lot better. And you're starting it off with three games at home before you hit the road for a little road trip, like you mentioned. The second eighth of the year, they really got to clean up because the first eighth, I don't think, went as planned with how they were going to project to be a playoff team anyways. But I think I'm I'm pretty damn confident you're going to see you're going to see this Miller, Pedersen, Garland line for a couple games at least and not have them split up at all, which is brings me to my next question here. Where does Brock Besser go? Because Brock Third Besser line. is not going to the Horvat line. Yeah. But why, why not? Why isn't Brock Besser going to the Horvat line? Because Tanner Pearson's not moving anywhere. See, that's the this is the problem. Why isn't why would you not want Brock Besser leading score five on five last year? Guy who really looks like he's improved his, his two way play. And what's he doing this year? What have you done? He's playing on lately? a third line right now. Yeah, well, he wasn't two nights ago. Sure, I think that. Yeah, but what's Tanner Pearson doing this year? More than Brock Besser. I don't know about that. Yeah, absolutely. At five on five, absolutely. Tanner Pearson's looking way better. Tanner than Brock Pearson's Besser. putting up a lot of shots because he crosses the blue line and fires it in on the goaltender. Yeah. So what are you what are you going to do with Brock Besser? Like, are you really ready to put Brock Besser, who has looked not good? Like, let's be clear, Brock Besser has not looked good to start the year. Are you ready for him to go hamper the Horvat Hoaglander line? I don't think he hampers that line. I don't I, think I don't think Tanner Pearson's done anything. I think that there are two really good. I think there is a good option for Besser to play with Huglander and and Horvat on the second line. But also, I don't hate the idea of him playing with Pod Colson either. Exactly, and that's what I was gonna say. Is you put him on a third line, I like that a lot more. With just with how he's been playing, it's it's a bit of a wake up call to Besser, and you hope that he can get going. Because man, if you're going down the stretch run here and you've got Brock Besser on a third line, like that's a solid top nine forward group, especially if Besser's scoring again. Like when they went what out you, and got Garland, to, what are you seeing from Pearson? No, nothing. Like okay, because I'm nothing, not seeing much from but Pearson. I'm, not, I'm seeing I'm seeing more from I'm seeing. Less from Besser, and I'm seeing nothing from Pearson. So, what does that tell you about Besser's play? Wow, I still think I don't Brock, mean to rag I've on seen the a couple guy. games where I think Besser's been pretty good on the boards, like I, and, and yeah, maintaining Pier- possession. Pearson's always good at that. Pearson always does that fine. Yeah, I guess maybe the certain thing that I would say where Besser's been better is probably transitioning the puck and skating the puck through the neutral zone. Yeah, I still think he's better than Pearson at that. But I absolutely, I do agree with you. I think the the things that Pearson probably doesn't get a lot of praise for is his ability to. I wouldn't even call it like create turnovers, but almost just like put a stop to the other team's offense in the blue line and move it out of your own blue line. Like he does that well. And I think that works well with Horvat. And that's why why Travis Green uses him with Horvat is because 
Pearson does do a pretty good job of like just stopping the other team's cycle and yeah. moving it past your own blue line, at least creating them, at least forcing their team to reset. Disruptions, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think that you'll have to see, right? Like I, I think there was a lot of success last year with Pearson, Horvat, and Huglander, but we will have to see what happens with, with Besser. I think that at least it's an option you can go to is to put Besser with Horvat and, and Huglander, if you need some goals pretty bad, I think that's probably a better trio than than having Tanner Pearson on that line. But we'll have to see. I think Travis Green has been... I, I, I get where you're coming from because Travis Green has been let down, I think, by Besser. And if quite a few, like we've seen Besser really get not necessarily benched like a Pod Coles near a fourth line, but you've seen Besser's minutes drop significantly in yeah. games after he's had a bad start. Yeah, absolutely. And rightfully so. Like, man, we all want Brock Besser to play better. But he hasn't, and that's the reality of the situation. That's what you're dealing with here. And Connor Garland gives the Canucks the best chance on the first line to start yep. scoring at five on five. He, he absolutely does. And, yeah. and Brock Besser maybe benefits on that third line from getting weaker competition. Maybe he faces yeah, exactly. some bad defensemen on the opposition. Like I, I, I can see it happening. And another thing that, and this has kind of just been like a theme for us all season long, where the Canucks' depth is going to help them. I mean, right now it's not amazing. You're not seeing the forward depth and all the scoring that we'd expect, but. This is another situation where you can kind of take a positive out of it because the Canucks have enough players where Brock Besser can slide to your third line. Yeah, he doesn't have to be on the first line now because Garland's doing enough things to you know warrant a chance to play on the first line. This is another example of the depth helping Travis Green be able to put a lineup together. So yeah, I think I wouldn't be. Sh- yeah, I think I don't think anyone's going to be shocked to see the lines come out tomorrow for practice and see Brock Besser on a third line with uh, Dickinson and Pod Colson. Yeah. For sure. You've got some stuff to say about Abbotsford. You got a little story. Oh, man. Boots on the ground for Canucks Army. Spend a lot of time out there. I yeah. like it out there in Abbotsford. It's it's nice because I get I get the players, I get them one on one, just chatting with the players and stuff and you know, pick up certain things. Saw some some really good I just I felt like like Trent Cull, I think, has done an excellent job just the way that he's been working with this group. And there was a couple of real prime examples that I saw at Monday's practice was him working with Klimovich and he was yelling at Klimovich a lot. Get your feet moving was like something that he just kept saying and saying in a lot of drills. And then there was a certain play that Klimovich made on the boards where he turned the wrong way. And you saw Trent like go right over to him, put his arm around him, talk with Klimovich sort of things. And like really slowly, a lot of hand movements, because that's the way that you kind of got to talk uh, to Klimovich. A lot of hand movements, and then he does a couple. He does it a couple times, and Klimovich follows him. You know, nice little hug from from Cull, smack on the back, sends him back in the drill, and and that was an interesting thing to see how Cull was working out there. But the the part that I thought that Cull was just like, and I, sh- I wish I got a video of this, but it was also kind of kind of weird because like there was almost a fight, and like a lot, I was the only person in the stands, and like I could see the players clearly looking at me to see if I was recording this. But uh, it was a drill where it was a forward line um, and it was Arsenault and I forget it was somebody on Arsenal's line. I didn't because they don't have numbers on their jerseys. It's hard to catch. But Jet Wu kind of rode him into the post and it was it was questionable for sure. Like, it, it, you know, they were battling hard. It was a long, hard practice, an hour and a half of hard practicing with Jet Wu rode the player into the post and then Arsenal skated right up to him, grabbed him by the collar, was like shaking him and yelling with his French accent to He's like, you knew what you were doing there. You beep and beep and beep. And he was shaking Jet Wu around. And then he skated off to the side. It kind of, you know, call kind of split him up and, and the players kind of got in between. It wasn't anything that got to like blows or anything. But Arsenal was clearly mad. He threw a water bottle that sh- like just smashed and water flies everywhere on the boards on the bench there. Uh, then he just walks down to the to the locker room. And Trent Cole kind of grabs everyone and he says, okay, circle up, let's stretch. It was the end of practice. That drill ended the practice. And then Trent was looking for Arsenal and Arsenal obviously went down the hall. Trent literally sprints, like opens up the thing. And I, I wish this is the part I wish I got a video of because he sprinted down the hall, went and grabbed Arsenal, brought him out, said he like yelled at the team to say like he wants everyone together to be this, this team together. We stretch together. And then Arsenal comes back out and they, they stretch together and call it a practice there. But it was... You know, just I think Trent Cole deserves a little bit of praise from how he's dealing with these young guys, and that was a moment where I, we wouldn't, nobody would have saw that in Utica, right? Nobody would have seen that mm-hmm. type of thing in Utica, and to see it happen in Abbotsford, I think that showed a little bit of props to to Trent Cole, anyways. And nobody would have even seen that if you weren't there. You were the only person there, so kudos to you for doing that reporting and everything. Me and the Sedins, yeah, you and the, and the Sedins weren't going to report they, it. They weren't going <laughs> to report it. No, that's for Those sure. Those damn Sedins. Yeah, where's I've, their integrity? I mean, that's the thing. I got a fun story. So going to have an article coming out soon for uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks, actually. 
I'm your ghostwriter. No, you're editor. not my ghostwriter. I'm your editor. Yeah, well, you're going to edit it before I send it in because like, <laughs> I don't want them to know how bad my writing actually is. So you'll edit it, then I'll send it to them to edit again. Oh, um, man. But yeah, there'll be something coming up for the ads for Canucks. I'm pretty pretty proud. I've been able to chat a lot with the players out there. Yeah. A uh, little bit about, you know, maybe doing a little sturgeon fishing out in the Fraser River. The, some of the guys are pretty excited for that. So a fun little story I put together and... uh yeah, that should uh, hopefully be coming out soon for the Abbotsford Canucks. I'm excited for that. Nothing else to really report from them. They're on the road down in Stockton. Uh, Jack Rathbone obviously reported to the team for practice on Tuesday, uh, and they flew out today. They're on their way to Stockton right now, actually. So um, big weekend, I guess. Back-to-backs against Stockton, and uh, they'll return home next weekend for some home games again. So I'll be back at practice next week. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Last thing that we want to talk about, we'll skip Rathbone. We'll talk about that another day. Jack Eichel. Going to the Calgary Flames or the Vegas Golden Knights, it sounds like. Both are at the one-yard line is what's being reported. So, Chris, if you're the Canucks, how are you feeling? Because, first of all, you're all in with this team. Like, the Canucks are all in. And now a division rival is going to get Jack Eichel. Granted, Jack Eichel still has to get the surgery. So he's not. it's not like this is going to be a trade and Jack Eichel's back in the lineup. He's he's ready to go for Calgary or Vegas, whichever one acquires him. But it is something to keep an eye on. As a Canucks podcast, we should be keeping an eye on this. Canucks fans should know that Jack Eichel, who is a very, very good center, is going to go, like a legit first-line center, is going to go to, two, to one of two teams who really don't have a legit first-line center, especially Vegas. Did you see the center depth that yeah. Vegas started in their last game, that's unacceptable. Well, I mean, the thing, yeah, two division rivals of this team that are going to be competing with you for one of those three playoff spots and then a wild card spot as well. I mean, it would be a huge addition to either of those teams. You brought it up, not only Vegas, but I mean, it's not like Calgary has that that star that star center either. And, you know, they have, I mean, Johnny Goudreau, like I was looking at Johnny Goudreau's stats the other day. He's off to a really good start this year. Um, just just from like possession wise and goal scoring wise and goal share wise, I don't think he's had a goal against Johnny Goudreau this year at five on five. So a really good start for him. And that would be, yeah, it's down the road, but it is something to consider. You brought like, I don't Canucks can't throw their hat in, in the ring here for this. No, they just can't. I mean, they could. Why not? Because Besser, Rathbone, two firsts and Myers. That gets oh it done. My gosh. Because then no... you have the money to pay. You have the money. Well, I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. But I'm saying they do have the assets to do oh, it. It hurts my brain. No to team can match that. This. No Vegas and Calgary cannot match that. That offer, they cannot match that. That's the best offer Buffalo is going to get. Besser, Rathbone, two first, and Myers. Yeah, because Myers is obviously just to free up the cap space. Yeah, you don't get to say you got to throw something in to take Myers. Yeah, and hopefully you get a right D back because that means oh, you're, you're, man. you're looking at like Hamannick, Pullman, and Shen or Burroughs oh, as your right side. No, this is see, this is why it's this no. Is you, you should they shouldn't do it, but they can. They do have the assets to do it. They do. Don't say they can't. They have they have they have the assets to do it, and they they could if they wanted to. I'm not ready to give Mike, up on Throw Mikey Besser. in there, too? No, never. Actually, yeah, yeah absolutely. You got Silos. Yeah, if you want Silos to throw in a goaltender the best ever. He's Olympic goaltender. Olympic goaltender. <laughs> you want him in the lineup? Yeah, absolutely. He, he knows well, what I it A little interesting, too. Last week with Abbotsford, okay. no game from Mikey DiPietro at all. You don't get Mikey on Friday. You don't get him on Saturday. He backs up, so it's not like he's injured. Silos didn't play back-to-back, did he? No, Spencer oh, Martin, Martin played well, on Martin's Saturday. Martin's got to get a start as well. And he was right? really good on Saturday, good too. Good for him. Like, I asked Cole about it. I said, and you know, this was uh, right up Jim Benning's playbook because I asked like, Hey, this, what's the plan? Like the plan that I, that he told us that Cole told us and Ryan Johnson RJ, told us yeah. at Canucks army 50 plus games for Di Pietro. I asked Trent Cole about, you know, was what's the plan with Di Pietro? What's the plans with your goaltenders? And he said in Jim Benning fashion, he said, it's day to day with our goaltending situation. Well, it is right. It has to be because you look. Does you, it to me? To me, like you listen, have to develop sea loves. If you're one hundred thousand percent trying, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. If you're one hundred percent trying to like just win the games every year, maybe Spencer Barnes your best goalie, sure. But I don't think there should be a weekend where Marky DiPietro doesn't get a game. That's, I don't think there that's will a be letdown. Many. I don't think there will be many. I think that'll be. I think there one might be is one too many. Month. There might be one per month because Spencer Martin still has to play. Does. Why, though? Because he's an AHL goaltender. You should play because he's in the AHL. I mean, he signed with the team or he got traded to the team. And, you know, 
he he wants to play. You can't just have three goaltenders in your roster. That's not fair to him. He should play at least one game a month. I hate to say it. Is one game a month that bad? Should I, I be hitting the music? I hate to say it. Hit it. I got something on this. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no no. I don't know. No, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, right and hit me in the head. We, I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right. Favors going to be. Favors going to be very pissed. So you know, I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. All right, so. Listen, um, I think I'm out the Abbotsford a couple of weeks ago. I'm talking with Woodley and we're saying like he was saying that, listen, I think a lot of people expected Seelovs to be sent somewhere else. Yes. A lot of people did. You expected it. We yeah. talked about in the summer. We thought you thought ECHL, ECHL for a lot of starts. Starter, yeah. We were thinking maybe a spot in Europe if they could find it. I think that's why Spencer Martin was brought in was to be a guy who could give Mikey a chance. But Seelovs has impressed Ian Clark enough. That Ian wants to see him playing in the AHL. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't know this for a fact, but this is what I, this is my opinion on it. Why else would or would Archer Seals not get sent anywhere? And now they have this extra guy in Spencer Martin, where it's kind of just like a an awkward situation. I, that's kind of like I hate to say it, like this sounds mean, but like you can't just be nice to everyone. You yeah. can't. You, you like you gotta you gotta unfortunately put a guy in a spot where it's like sorry, man, but. We have these two young goalies that we're trying to develop in NHL players, and I don't think that they're trying to develop Spencer Martin into an NHL goaltender. But maybe if they can find a trade for him to be a backup in the NHL, go ahead, trade him for whatever. Another guy that can maybe maybe a forward because the freaking Abbotsford Canucks right now are playing Devontae Stevens at forward because they don't have enough forwards to play. And that's the way the NHL works. Maybe Spencer, Maybe that's why they're playing Spencer Martin to say, hey, he can be a good backup or a guy that can help you push a young guy in the AHL, mm-hmm. trade him for another forward in the AHL. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to but that. If, because we we thought that we didn't think that both these goals, we didn't think Seelovs and DiPietro were both going to be at the AHL at the same time, right? No. And we definitely didn't think there was going to be a Spencer Martin thrown into the mix as well. If you were going to keep both of them, that's the part that I think that kind of like Trent Call said, plans have changed. The plan to play Mikey DiPietro was out the window right now for 50 games a year. He didn't even play on the weekend. That's to me, that's a, that's a, not the way that you want to develop your, your top end goaltender who had a standout rookie season in the AHL and you want to see him play a lot of games after not doing anything last year. Yep. I don't know. I think it was, I think it's a little bit of a shocker to not get Mikey in for a weekend and back to back games. Yeah, no, that's fair. The man. only excuse I can have is that he got run over the weekend before that, but he practiced during the week. Backed up. He backed too. up. Yeah. No. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me why he wasn't into the it. game. I understood maybe on Friday. I thought maybe he was injured because Spencer Martin backed up that game. I don't know. That one threw me through a loop, especially from what we've heard from RJ and heard from Trent about wanting to get Mikey all these games. And now Seelov's stealing the show out there. Seelov's going to end up playing 60 games this year. I called it. I told you. Yeah. I told you he was good. He was a very good goaltender. This is a fun episode, Chris, as always. Yeah. We done here? Um, Yeah, we didn't really go off topic with non-hockey. We jumped right into it because it was a busy did. day. Yeah, people, you know, all you... I was going to use a bad word. But all you people... Whoa. All you people... You people. Yeah, you people. <laughs> Jeez. All you people that, uh, you know, rag on us about... We, got, we see the reviews. We see the reviews. We see the reviews. Skip the first we, eight to ten minutes of the show. We still appreciate you people doing five stars yeah. uh, with it. But you people out there that are saying, you know, this is my favorite well, Canucks podcast. We do have something else to do. After the 12-minute mark. I mean, that's probably fair. <laughs> but I also have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and tell me they're like, you know, I only listen to the first 10 minutes. Like, I have a lot of people Girl, that listen. Girlfriend, she only listens first Exactly. 10 minutes. Like, people who aren't really hockey fans, they're like, you guys are a very entertaining podcast. And, you know, our, our oily boyfriends. Okay. Let's cut it they do, they do nation real life. And that's basically just Faber and Quad shoot the bleep. But okay. they do an actual podcast called it. And, you know, maybe we got to freaking oily boys. Hey, before we go, poll question. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Poll question. We, I didn't forget to tweet it out, but we did we almost forget did it for the episode. did almost forget to touch on it. All right. Our episode 210 poll question brought to you by the great folks over there at Blue Orca Sports. Saw some new stuff 
thrown up at Blue Orca Sports. You can follow them uh, at Fuel the Fan. Check them out on social media. Twitter, I think, is the best way. At Fuel the Fan. Check out Fuel the Fan for all your sports memorabilia needs. Uh, some uh, some nice looking mem, like I said, thrown up this uh, this week. I've seen it on Facebook popping up on my feed there. I don't use Facebook often, but when I do, it's Fuel the Fan stuff popping up all over the place there. Was the question... Was last night's big win enough to restore your faith in this team? The options were no. It was one game. Yes. That win was huge. I'm angry. Or more goalie talk, please. Quads, what won the poll? Um, No, it was one game. Yes, yeah, that win was that one, huge. That one. No, it was one game. Yes, it did. What percent do you think, though? Oh, come on. 38. 38 to win a poll? Well, yeah, there's four options. Okay. No, it was 45%. Okay, I'm not that saying, far off. Saying it was just one game. Second place was, yes, that win was huge. 33%. But one, what one out of the, the two bottom feeders? I'm angry or more goalie talk, please? More goalie talk one. Come on. With 14%. It did win? More hurry goalie up. talk, please. Yes, one with fourteen percent. What was it? That Don't tell me pause. to hurry up. You got to pause. <laughs> yeah, that was like when you watch America's Got Talent. Pause for effect. Yeah, you did great. You know what pissed me off? America's Got Talent. They, I just noticed this over. Like I used to be a huge fan. Watch America's Got Talent yeah, me all too. the time. I used to watch it religiously. It's the plugged little people freaking out in their like celebrations. Have you ever seen, like though so the act will be going on, then they cut to the crowd, and it's like somebody, and those are just like actors, like acting really excited a lot of the time when they what? cut to like two or three people. Sometimes it'll be like the actual crowd's reaction, but you'll see it next time we watch Maris Got Talent. They'll keep cutting back to this one or two people and they'll be on the show like three or four times. Those are just actors like acting super excited. No. Yeah, you'll see it. What? Yeah, I have an ex- I saw this the other day wow. pop up an example where it's like the same guy like really like clapping really loud or like fist bumping or just anything. It'll be the same guy like two or three times in every episode. Wow. How do you get that job? Just go hype people up in the crowd. Yeah. It's crazy P. It's crazy P. Saw crazy P a couple times what, yesterday. Before America's Got Talent. My girlfriend, she's, she's saying, look, crazy P. I said, how do you know crazy P? <laughs> you went to the first NHL game last <laughs> week. And she's like, look, there's crazy P. I'm like, you should know who Finn is, but like. Yeah, I crazy tweet P about crazy P a lot. She follows me. I do tweet. She? What? Yeah, your girlfriend. She oh, follows okay. me. Oh, okay. No, I thought you were talking about crazy like, P. What are you talking about? I'm like, wait. <laughs> No. Anyway, a, yeah, she is she is a real human girl. She just goes to another school. Yeah, she yeah. <laughs> she just goes to another school. She's she sees all your tweets. She just doesn't react to any of yeah, them. Yeah, that's fair. She likes them. She likes all like Drops you can find likes. her pretty easily if you really looked. Like she's she's the one who likes every single one of my tweets. <laughs> Big support. Big she, support. Her, her favorite. She likes Clarissa, and she was she was giving Clarissa hype to the uh, her friend that we went to the game with yesterday. Yes. She's like she's like oh like I'm not on Twitter very much. I'm actually on Canucks Reddit. Her her friend was she's on Canucks Reddit a mm, lot. Nice. She's like you got to go to Twitter. Uh, there's just there's this girl named Clarissa who's <laughs> just like she's like she just gets it. She's like she, she makes it so entertaining. It. She does. So, Clarissa's props great. to Clarissa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also one of us has to cover socials on Friday, and I think it's going to be you. Oh. Clarissa is away on Friday. Well, I'm, I'm busy on Friday too. I got uh, so I get a post game report and live tweet. What is this? I give you, know, you all this time you off. Know how many times I did that la- a couple years ago? I was <laughs> doing true. post games and that's tweeting true. all the time. That's true. Well, you no, know, I'll tweet I give for you, you all Friday. this time off. Clarissa I, needs a time day off. Yeah. Well, does. I'm going home right now and I'm going to write. Yeah. Fair enough. I got a lot of work to do. It's exciting. Ca- a couple days of catch up here. Absolutely. All right. We'll close it out there. Uh, for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?